Okay, great to see everybody. Everybody doing okay? Yeah? All right, just need a little bit more energy than that. Everybody okay? Yeah, good. Joanna, what's going on? Woo, give me a woo. Yeah, thank you. You got your lollipop, good. Okay, well, it's so good to see you all. Um, uh, this morning we are continuing in our sermon series in Colossians. Such an incredible letter, incredible book. And this morning, I'm very pleased to say, as I do manage the sermon rotor, that I've got, I think, the best piece of scripture in Colossians. Um, perks of the job, you know. Um, and uh, we, um, we're going to be looking at such an incredible piece of scripture. And I know you're going to be, uh, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to get a lot out of it. And most importantly, I think God really wants to speak to us this morning through his word. Um, before I continue, because John's going to wave at me, tomorrow the center is closed, but those who are hoping to come to prayer ministry training, it is still on um, tomorrow night at 7.30, International Christian Time, 7.30. Everything's at 7.30. Um, <clears throat> so make sure you come along to that if you're coming. Um, I want to start by just asking, does anybody have a favorite hymn? A favorite hymn. Could you just shout it out for me if you do? Amazing Grace. In Christ Alone. Shout it. Huh? Can't hear that, but yeah. Your Majesty, yeah. Yeah, in Christ Alone. Brilliant. Yeah, favorite hymns, right? They are quality. Honestly, one of my favorite songs as a teenager when I first became a believer was. That song we just sung there, Your Majesty, I Can But Bow. Um, and uh, I remember one of my earliest memories as a believer was reciting the words of that song during the week when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, King of kings, majesty, God of heaven living in me, gentle saviour, closest friend, strong deliverer, beginning and end. And like just singing those words over myself, really, and just thinking about who Jesus was. And I remember when I just became a believer, it was like this incredible truth that we used to sing. And this scripture that we're going to go through in just a second is almost like, um, like, like a, a song, like a, like a hymn. Um, many scholars would say this is almost Paul's hymn about the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus. And that's what we're going to go through. All the songs this morning, actually, Paul didn't know that I was going to mention that song this morning just to start off with, but he emailed out and said, I think we should be doing King of Kings Majesty on Sunday. And I thought, oh, brilliant. That's perfect. Um, so thank you, Paul. For, it's good, good job this morning. But when we sing about the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus and who he is, and that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning, Jesus' supremacy. So we're going to read from First Corinthians, sorry, First Colossians, Colossians 1. I get my head in order. Colossians 1, 15 to 23. Uh, but first, let's just pray and ask God just to speak to us, continue to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time of being able to worship you and focus our hearts and our eyes on you. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we open your word, that would continue, that we would get a, a glimpse of your love, your majesty, your glory, your power, your might. Lord, we thank you so much that you are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I pray, Lord, that as we um, walk through this scripture together, Lord, that we would, just, uh, we would just get a glimpse of you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, Colossians 1, 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. <clears throat> For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, but now, I love those words, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I can't emphasize how incredible this piece of scripture is. I really can't. It's just so beautiful, so amazing. And what I do want to do this morning is break down just piece by piece almost what Paul is claiming, especially in that first section, what Paul claims about Jesus and who he is. Um, And what I want to do is, what I hope that happens is that we all leave this room this morning understanding more about the supremacy of Jesus. And if you remember a few weeks ago, I spoke and introduced this church in Colossae that um, had several issues going on, but one of the main ones one of the main issues that they dealt with was, was with, with false teaching, how they were being teached um, by Gnostics that <clears throat> Jesus was almost like just the first step of the ladder. There was more knowledge to be attained. There was more to this and that they just needed to be people of knowing like them. And they would teach falsely that there was more than Jesus to this gospel message. And, and teaching that, uh, and Paul here was teaching uh, that Jesus is not just this incredible man, not just the first step on a ladder, but he is God himself. And this false teaching, it was shifting their attention from the central truths of the gospel. Instead, they were pointing towards these kind of weird, mystical and mythical and mysterious speculations. And Paul uses this memorable, almost hymn, like poem about Jesus and his supremacy to fix and refocus their eyes on Jesus and who he truly is. And like all of the best hymns, in my opinion, they focus on Jesus and Jesus alone, on who he, he is and what he has done. And as a consequence, who we now are. And, and th- this is the first thing that I just felt God prompt me as I was preparing this week and what I was going to bring and what I just felt God wanted to bring out the scripture. I mean, the scripture speaks for itself, but what is God wanting to speak to you and to me, particularly this morning? And this is one of the first things that I got, felt God speak to me about. And, and just how fundamentally important it is that Jesus and to his followers today, that Jesus, it, it has to be central in our lives. He has to be the one that we choose to fix our eyes on no matter what. John uh, 14 verse 6, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
And here's the thing. I don't know if there's anybody else in this room like me. I guarantee there are. Um, but I don't know if, if anybody struggles quite as often as I feel I do. Just with moments in my life where I feel just anxious about something. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I just feel anxious for the sake of it. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what I feel anxious about. I just feel anxious. I feel worried, like, like something, I'm anticipating something's going to happen. And it's almost like a subconscious feeling. Anybody else ever get this problem? Or is it just me? Yeah, thank you. One or two of you. That's great. <laughs> Three of you. Four of you. Oh, great. But just anxiety creeps up on you. And, and, um, and I just felt this morning just to, just to mention that right off the bat. That there's, there's this anxiety that builds in me, and I know I'm not the only one. I know that we find ourselves with anxiety building. And what I've learned is when I feel anxious, when I feel worried, actually is a really good indication that there's an area in my life that there is somewhere that I am not focusing on Jesus and who he is, but rather focusing on who I am and my insufficiency, my inability, my lack of power. And actually, when I focus on that, anxiety builds. I realize that man alive, like, you know, God's called me to lead a church and I could come next week and none of you could be here. There's nothing I could do about that, right? Like, these are genuine things, right? But, but actually, it's Jesus who says, I will build my church. He doesn't say, it's my job. It's not my job. It's his job to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail, right? Like, and, and when I focus on me, actually, I feel anxious all the time. And, and I just felt right from the get-go, we needed to stop and say, actually, <clears throat> in the scripture, Paul is making very clear, when we focus on Jesus, he is supreme. He is the one we want to focus all of our attention on here and call out who he is and what he has done. And we need to make sure that this piece of scripture, we're acknowledging who is in control, who is all powerful, and that he is supreme over everything. And I wanted to start by just asking that. We've been singing these wonderful songs this morning about who Jesus is. But I want to ask you, I don't know all of you in this room, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus, but is he in the right place in your life? Is he supreme in your life? Is he your, your go-to, your one and only, your source of strength, your source of salvation? He is, is he the one? Is he in the right place? And only you know the answer to that, but is Jesus central? Is he, in, is he on the throne in your life? Does he have the crown on and everything? Is he supreme? And one of the most powerful ways we can do that is about, about declaring who Jesus is and putting him in his right place is through worship. And I, I'm going to call something out here. I need to be careful because I feel like every time I get up here, I have a poke at somebody else. So I need to be careful here. But I really do want to say this in, in love and the right way. But actually, the way that we worship is really important. You know, it's funny how, have you noticed that you can have these weeks where everything seems to be so difficult? And you come to church on a Sunday, you don't even feel like coming. You've got this situation going on, that relational problem going on, this financial burden happening in your life. And when you begin to worship, actually, something just releases Anybody else notice that? When we declare who Jesus is and we worship him, actually something just breaks. And actually that situation in our life all of a sudden seems very insignificant compared to the one who we're worshiping. And, and I wanna, I'm gonna call something out here. What we choose to sing is really important. I wanna call out something that I really am 
so careful that we need to be so careful we don't fall into the trap of thinking this is just the norm and it's okay and this should be our normal singing and what we sing about and I'm going to pick out a song that's probably one of the most popular out there right now Christian songs and um and on YouTube alone, this song has 47 million listens. 47 million. That's just the official channel. Not the reproductions of it. Not the Spotify listens. Not the Apple Music listens. But this song alone has 47 million. Just on YouTube. And it says this. It's, you'll all know it. And I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this enough. I raise a hallelujah. I'm emphasizing the, the eyes and me's and my's. In the presence of my enemies... I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Right, okay. Let me just be really clear here. I don't know who wrote this song. I'm sure they're lovely. I'm sure they are Jesus-focused and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pull them out or pick them out. This isn't a problem with this particular song, just this song. This is a problem across worship in general at the moment. But, but the, the, the reality is in this one verse and chorus, there are nine references to me, myself and I and one to Jesus as the king. Just one. Nine to me, nine to me, myself and I and one to Jesus. And what I'm going to do. And if we're not careful, actually what happens is, is that this sort of song, <laughs> this sort of thinking becomes our theology when it comes to Jesus. It becomes our theology when it becomes to our walk with Jesus. That it's all about me, myself, I, what I'm going to do, my weapons, my battle, my, all about me. And actually... The scripture and this, this beautiful passage in particular is so clear that it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about what he's done, not what you're going to do, but who you are because of what he has done. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying here. If you listen to that song, it's been on in our house. I'm not damning you. I'm not saying that's wrong. You're not a Christian. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm saying is we need to be careful that it doesn't become our theology that we're going to win a battle, that we're going to fight, that we're going to, you know, we're going to bring it to the enemy. Actually, it's Jesus that we want to focus on. It's his supremacy, not, not you, because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm pretty terrible, actually, most of the time. But Jesus is always, always good. He's always in control. He's always powerful. He's going to, he's won the battle. His, his, his supremacy is absolute. And that's what we're going to focus on right now. I'm going to quickly run through six quick points of what, where Paul points out, six realms in which Jesus is supreme. The first one is Jesus is supreme in eternity. Verse 15, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So Paul starts right off the bat by establishing that Jesus is the very image of, of God. If you want to know what God is like, how he operates, how he loves, how he forgives, then you need to look at Jesus. In John 1:18 it says, "No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, 
who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus is God. John 14, 9 says, anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Paul is establishing Christ's eternal relationship with the Father God. Jesus wasn't just created, you know, 2,000 years ago, right from the beginning. He has been there in the midst. He has been there as God himself. Hebrews 1, 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Uh, Paul is saying that God, in his perfect holiness, which means he's completely set apart, he is perfect, and he is utterly transcendent. Sorry, he is beyond our range of normal experience. Like nobody has seen God in his physical form, but we're, we're not able to experience him like that um, and how we were. But then through Jesus, we see his attributes, we see his character, we see his power, and 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 his will through the works of his Son. And it's important to know that Paul is teaching that Jesus is equal to the Father. He's, he is God. Uh, and this is, you know, I talked a few weeks ago, didn't I, about how they had a hard time believing that Jesus um, w- was a man, but they had no problem believing that Jesus was God himself. Um, and nowadays we have the problem of believing that Jesus Jesus was actually God. We, we believe he was a nice man, <laughs> but actually he is God himself. And this is exactly what this scripture lays out. Jesus is the very image of God. And, and we need to be careful that sometimes we can put Jesus in the wrong place in our lives. He's kind of our buddy, our pal, puts out his arms around us. It's, it's all right, you're doing a good job. You know, I forgive you, keep moving forwards or whatever. But he is God himself. And we almost have this kind of sun and moon mentality sometimes when it comes to Jesus, the son of God, that God himself is the sun with all the power, all of the, you know, all of that might, all of the, all of the, um, all of the power that comes from the sun and the energy that comes from it. And, and yet the moon just reflects that light to us, doesn't it? It doesn't have its own light. It doesn't have its own power. Hopefully you know this. This is kind of year three astronomy. But you know, the moon doesn't, doesn't generate its own light, its own power. It comes from the sun. And Jesus isn't the moon in this scenario. He is the sun himself. And, and he is in there with God. He is supreme in eternity, been there right from the beginning and will be there for eternity. So Jesus is God. The second thing is, is that Jesus is supreme in all the creation. Not only is Jesus the image of the invisible God, but he is supreme over all of creation. Verse 15 says, the firstborn over all creation. And think about Jesus' life and ministry. Let's just run through some examples real quick and talk about, man, how good is Jesus? Matthew 8, 26 to 27, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, Jesus got up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed, his disciples, and asked, what kind of man is this? He's not man, he's God. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Then Mark 2, 5 to 10, so he said to, to, to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. This paralyzed man. And he got up, 
he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Luke 7, 14 to 15, then he went up, this dead boy being carried out for a funeral. He touched the bear and, and they said, they were carrying, and they, the bearer stood still and he said to the young man, I say to you, dead person, <laughs> I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned the disciples that Jesus sent out to tell them that the kingdom of God is near. And they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. This is not just a man. This is God himself. And all of creation is under his power and his authority. There is nothing. Listen, there is nothing in all creation. I mean, I look at some things in creation and I'm just in awe and wonder. I look at an avalanche and think of the power of, it fall, of that snow falling down a mountainside and how it makes the earth quake. And yet Jesus is supreme over everything. Nothing, the wind, the waves, the mountains, sickness, death, cancer, disease, earthquakes, angels, demons, floods, you name it, all of it in heaven and on earth, it all bows down at the name of Jesus. All creation is under his authority. Number three, Jesus is supreme in the church, our church, the church of the world. So after explaining that Jesus is supreme in time and creation, Paul makes it a lot more tangible for you and me. He says, he is just head of the church, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. And although Paul doesn't elaborate on what the body is here, um, he will in, in the book of Ephesians and Corinthians. And we must remember that Jesus is the head of this church. Not, not, not me or the eldership team. And, and I'm talking about the church not pastors, not popes, not councils, church councils, ugh. congregations, not elders, deacons, bishops, not the archbishop. And look, we are transitioning right now from God bless Her Majesty the Queen to His Majesty the King. And one of the titles that he will take in the next couple of weeks is the, is the head of the Church of England. That's one of the titles he will be given. But biblically speaking, this role is for Jesus and Jesus alone. One of the prayers that is very common in our eldership team meetings is, Jesus, this is your church. This is yours. It's not ours. <laughs> Thank you for the privilege of being able to do this with you. Thank you for the privilege of you leading this church and welcoming us on this journey with you, this adventure. Thank you, Lord. Jesus might give us different gifts and abilities, but we never put a man or a woman as the head of this church. It is Jesus in his rightful place. Number four, Jesus is supreme in the resurrection. This is such a special one. Verse 18, the firstborn from among the dead, Paul says. Now, we know for a fact that that doesn't mean that Jesus was the first one to experience coming back to life. We know that. We've just read an example in scripture, Jesus bringing someone back to life. And it happens several times throughout Scripture that we see dead people come back to life. So we know that that's not what it means. So what does it mean? Well, it means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the first of its kind. He was raised into resurrection 
life in a body that would never decay, that would never again suffer death. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is the first, the first. And Paul is saying that Jesus was the first, and later in the book of Corinthians, Paul compares the present body with the future resurrection body. Believe it or not, you won't have this body again. This one's a rental, right? You will be given a new resurrection body. And man, just think about those aches and pains that you have. Just give it a little wiggle now. Oh, just aches, doesn't it? And um, sometimes I'm wrestling with Hannah, and, uh, and she just beats me up. And I think, oh, my bones are just so old nowadays. And um, there's a reason footballers retire before they're 35. It hurts, right? You don't bounce when you hit the floor anymore. It just goes thud, right? And this is what it's like. Our bodies, and our, they, get, they get tired and old and worn out. And actually, praise God that we will be raised into resurrection, into resurrection body where we will never die in weakness or illness. Um, we will be raised into power. And, and why is that really important for us? Because Jesus is superior over death. Listen, death is not the end. Now death, where is your sting? Death is not the end for us. Billy Graham says, when I die, don't worry, I'm not dead, I've just moved the dress. And, and, the, and that, that's the reality for us. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when people die, but for believers, it is not the end. Her Majesty the Queen, the country mourns, but we know she's with Christ in all of eternity. It's not the end. Each and every one of us has absolute confidence because of Jesus' resurrection. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. We have absolute confidence in our destiny in our own resurrection because of Jesus' supremacy over death and resurrection. Five, last two, two real quick, is checking my watch, I get told off. Um, Christ is supreme in redemption. Verse 19 and 20, for God was pleased to have his full, all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, in heaven, or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Since the Garden of Eden, man and woman have been separated from God when we chose to disobey God, to not trust him, to tell us what was good and bad for us. And we chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and bad. And Adam and Eve chose to eat of that fruit. And since then, there has been this, this separation between God and man and we have constantly chosen not to trust God, but to do things our own way. However, because of Christ substituting himself in our place on the cross, Jesus, who was righteous, clean, holy, perfect, he took our place, he took the place of me as I was unrighteous. The righteous taking the place of the unrighteous. And we have now, through his blood, been reconciled with God. Where we were helpless and hopeless, yet God took the initiative to make peace for us through the cross. Listen, his blood is enough. His redemption for you is supreme. There's no add-on, there's no takeaway, there's, there's nothing that you can do to the redemption story to make it any better, any bigger. Jesus' blood is enough for you. All of your sins, present, future, past, 
they are all taken by the blood of Jesus. And because of what Jesus has, has, has accomplished through his blood, he is our supreme redeemer. Amen. Okay, last one. And I'm finishing here and we're going to respond. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to get ready to respond and we're going to declare who Jesus is. So the band can come up. A sixth and final point. Right in the middle of all this, I'm going to go back a couple of verses. In verse 18, just in case you're unsure of what Jesus is supreme in, Paul says this, in everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. Listen to me. I, I, I really need you to hear this. If you remember nothing else from what I've said this morning, please hear this. Jesus is supreme in everything. He's not some nice, lovely to have pocket God, genie in a bottle, nice to have around, make a wish. He is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He is supreme over everything. Life is really, really tough at times. And it will throw some things your way that are almost incomprehensible, insurmountable. I promise you, Jesus is supreme over your situation. Whether you struggle with worry, pain, anxiety, depression, excitement, tiredness, busyness, whether it's something that you've dealt with in the past that still clings on to you like a ball and chain, whether it's something in the future that you will have to face, whether it's something this week that smashed you in the face, I promise you without any hesitation that Jesus is supreme over your situation. Whether it's things that you wish to own, a home, things that you've worked hard for, whether it's things that are unseen, a future husband, future wife, not to be lonely, not to feel sad, not to feel like you're under, under attack, not to feel like you're expected to be more than you are. I promise you, Jesus is supreme. Paul is calling the church in Colossae and calling believers everywhere, in every generation. He's calling you right now every generation to believe and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and he demands first place in everything where is he in your life don't worry about what you're going to do worry about what he's done and who you are now in him is he Lord over all in your life have you given him everything he loves you he's slow to anger <laughs> He's abounding in grace and love and mercy. And rather than saying, I'm worried about, I'm worried about this, worried about going back to that place, I'm worried about work this week, I'm worried about my income, I'm worried about the cost of living crisis, I'm worried about this new prime minister, I'm worried about... I'm worried about the, the situation in the world. I'm worried about the, the, what we're going to do about these refugees. I'm worried, about, I'm worried about finances. I'm worried about where our church is going to be in 10 years. I'm worried about, worried about. Rather declare, Jesus, you are greater. You are supreme.
You're supreme over the situation in this world. You're supreme over my finances. So I want to invite you all to stand. And we're going to respond for, and we're going to worship and we're, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit. He is amazing. He loves you. And I want you to think of the thing that you need to declare Jesus' supremacy over right now. It might be something really relevant in this week, something that's happened this week that you think, Jesus, I need to declare who you are over this. Or it might be something that actually has clung onto you for a long, long time. It might be something that's not even real yet, but you're worried that it's going to happen in the coming weeks, the coming months, the coming years. Jesus, I'm so scared. What if you do that? What if that happens? What if that person's medication doesn't work? What if I lose somebody? What if I, what if I can't make it through this period of my life? And instead of saying, Jesus, I'm worried about this, we're going to speak his power, his authority. It's not what I'm going to do, Lord. It's about you and what you've already done. You have claimed all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. And you are supreme. Your majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. Slay it all down before him now and say, Your Majesty, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. And I thank you that you have redeemed me through your blood. I thank you for my future hope through the resurrection. But Lord, I need you. I need your power. I need your strength. And I need to declare who you are over my life right now.